Welcome to the Authentic Deb Podcast. I'm Debbie, and I'm your host for All Things Authentic. This podcast exists to bring people just like yourself from all over the world to share our stories, laugh at ourselves, and encourage each other along the way. Get ready to laugh, cry, and be empowered, but most of all to be you, because being you is enough. Hey, this is Authentic Deb, and we're in for a treat today of another episode of the Authentic Deb podcast. Today, I have Marty Sellers, who's hailing out of the Southern California area, and these are going to be one of those podcasts where we have no idea what we're going to talk about it, so we're just going to go for it. So Marty, without further ado, go ahead and introduce yourself, and we'll just see where the podcast goes. I love it. Well, listen, first and foremost, thank you so much for inviting me to this amazing show. And and we need more authenticity in this world uh, with that. Well, again, my name is Marty Sellers. My uh, government name is Martinez Ivan Sellers. Pero no habla nada español. Uh, I am a marriage and family therapist here in Southern California. I'm about 30 miles east of uh, L.A. um, in San Bernardino County. And I have been uh, doing this thing of behavioral and family therapy um, for a little over 12 years. Um, I am also a a licensed and ordained uh, minister. Um, as well as I am a father of three and love life. Awesome. Well, we've got a lot to unpack just in there. So first thing I want to know is how do you have a name like that and you don't speak a lick of Spanish? (laughs) Where where do you hail from? Oh, my God. Well, I'm originally from Ohio. Nowhere in in the middle of Ohio, Midwest, it doesn't come anymore. That is so boring. You're not even allowed to have a name like that being from Ohio. Right. Debbie, you know, know, it's it's, it's black or white in Ohio, nothing in between uh, (laughs) in that. So um, can you imagine growing up in Ohio with a name like Martinez? And they go, Martinez? You say Uh, it really well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I tell them I'm, I'm Dominican three times removed, but that's not the truth either. Um, <laughs> it goes I'm, with it. I am so, I like my listeners, I'm just shaking my head. I'm so, <laughs> I'm still trying to get the face and the raising Ohio with that type of name. So, well, my father was in the military, in the army, and you know how they call them by their last name. Yep. So, I don't know if my father just thought it would be unique or what have you. So uh, Martinez, he was from Michigan. I never met the man a day in my life, but all I know is I had a name of Martinez. Um, And so it's quite unique. Um, With a first name like that, no one forgets you um, (laughs) in that regard. So I've actually embraced it and absolutely love the uniqueness of it. So your birth father, who you have not met, last name was Martinez. No, my birth father was Robert Sellers. His friend in the military was Martinez. And he liked I, the name. He liked the name. Oh, so you've never met the dude that you're named over, but you have met your dad. Okay, yes, I, yes. Read that, I read that wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, like, so, yeah, I have met my father um, uh, and all that stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, both earthly and, and, and heavenly. So there you go. With that, so. <laughs> All right. So Martinez comes from some dude that your dad was in the army with. Right. 
Okay, that I got it. Yeah. Hung out with after that either again. So I thought that was quite ironic that that's a whole nother story. It's a cool name. It, it just totally, you know, it looked like a Martinez. So <laughs> now when I went down to the Dominican and everything, they were like, welcome home, my brother. And oh, they, yes, of course. They start speaking in Spanish. I'm like, uh, no entiendo? Yes, no, yeah, no, uh, donde es el baño, por favor. Right, right. That's the the base, taco, burrito. Uh, uh, no fumar uh, and no salsa, <laughs> por favor. That's right, right, right. Las queso, more, more, right. more. That's more, about more. it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, you, 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 you gotten that part for us. Okay, I digress. Go ahead. I just had to jump in there because no, no, I no. Uh, I had an amazing opportunity. So I grew up in a domestic violent household. Um, where um, I recall and know my, my father was um, physically and, and verbally uh, abusing my mother for 16 years. So I ended up from Ohio to be a transplant in California because my mother wanted to put as many miles between my father and her as possible. So I guess mm -hmm. we could not swim to Hawaii, so we ended up in California, California. Okay. <laughs> um, with that. So as the oldest... Um, I thought it was my responsibility because I was 17 years old um, at that time and to move with my mother to kind of, for lack of a better phrase, to protect and be with her yeah. um, in that regards. And although she was coming out with family, sister, her sisters who were uh, had moved out here and family members and, and my grandfather who was out here at that time um, and all of that. So um, it for me... It was definitely a culture shock because now I went from very conservative Republican Ohio uh, to now Southern California, <clears throat> where my pastor at the time said we were moving to Sodom and Gomorrah uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that we were going to hell because of that uh, now to Southern California. And it was uh, a culture shock. Deb, you know, I did not realize that I had was going through so, um, kind of a trauma um, because in my 30s, I was at a wedding and someone I went to high school out here in Southern California was like, Marty, how are you? And I'm like, I don't know you. And she's like, we sat behind each other for over a year and a half. And blasted out. And, and I just wiped out. I don't remember anyone from high school here in Southern California, but I remember everyone from high school in Ohio. It was your senior year, right? Yeah, well, it was the middle of my junior year and my senior yeah. year. Yes, we moved right in the middle of that whole Well, path. now that you're a therapist, you can probably relate. Oh, yes. There's large portions of my childhood I cannot remember. Yes. I, I've gotten to the point where I just don't really try. It's really not. Just if somebody brings something up and they talk, I just go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. Because it's, 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 you know, there's just. You remember things, but it's like a very selective memory. And so, right. you know, it's just like now, like, especially at home with your parents or whatever, I'm like, oh, okay. And your brother's like, yeah, dad. I'm like, uh-huh. Because it's easier to say than to say, well, I'm 57 and I don't remember. Right. Hey, and and cause your 80-year-old parents concern of what's wrong, honey? Why can't you remember the story that we all know? Oh, right. Because I was right. more traumatized than you knew and I blacked it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and it was okay. And I, I began to, as I got older, began to process it and everything. So I had an amazing opportunity to go to UC Berkeley where I got my undergraduate work. Mm -hmm. well, that's uh, a hippie school. Yeah, it, you know, it really <laughs> was. So now again, so I went from conservative Ohio right. to California, now to Northern California. And I was be, living like Woo! a... Woo! You were living like a what? 
a flower child. <laughs> Sunshine in. <laughs> had a ball and just was one of the best experiences I could have had in my life Mm -hmm. um, in that regards and was teetering with psychology and uh, law. Okay. Was in the psychology department and um, bluntly, no one looked like me and no one thought like me or had my experiences. And, and Deb, I was kind of rebellious then because I was, I had all this anger and resentment and hurt and all of that in from me your childhood. from my childhood and um, dealing with a, con- a lot of contradictories that what the Bible said and what I saw church leaders doing and, and all of that. And my pastor was saying, hey, uh, telling my mother, you know, Bobby's a really great guy. He's a great provider. Stay with him. He just has some anger problems. And, and, and as I'm seeing my mother with black eyes and, and all these other things, I'm just going, how can you encourage that and no one help? And you're just saying, hang in there. We, we've hung in there for 16 yeah. <laughs> nothing's going to change yeah. uh, unless he changes. So in that, um, so I'm in the psychology going, mm, that's not happens in my community. Um, that's not happening. So when the professor says, um, I wrote the book, I said, touche and booked and went to the legal studies department. Yeah. Um, in that. So, um, and, and now even as a black male therapist, I represent less than 2% of the entire therapeutic world um, for, for us. So, so almost becoming a, a therapist as a black man, I'm almost like a unicorn in the field, if you will. Really? Yeah. There, there's well, unicorns very- are my favorite, by the way. Oh, good. So my what- logo is a unicorn. If you've seen my authentic dev logo, it's a unicorn. I love it. I love it. So we become very authentic and we become very, um, um, I can say that so I've gotten clients because they were looking for a black male therapist. And I even have clients from uh, Canada um, who I see. Now, of course, when we're caught crossing state lines and all that is not therapy, but life coaching. So right. I have a different uh, uh, informed consent dealing with that. Right. Uh, just because of it. But, but we are. So I try and tell as many um, young people and men and then men of color to definitely jump into the field, especially during this time. Um, my passion is for um, definitely men, for couples and LGBTQ. That's awesome. I have a friend here, a really close friend who's African-American and who is a therapist and, and uh-huh. LGBT. Yeah, one of my best friends here locally. I'll have to see if I can connect you guys, but that's what he does. Yeah. Definitely. So that's been my role because especially we as men and as and when I look at my father and he's deceased now, um, I look at I believe he had, um, which is kind of rare, um, a borderline personality type, which is not a um, mood disorder, but a personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so they cannot be um, put on psychotropic meds. <laughs> Uh, although he was self-medicated on the disassociative scale. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, in that regard. So when I began to understand that more, I began to understand him better and knew how to now as an adult child, uh, interact with him better and not take everything he said personal because again, 
I had to look at a pers- at the personality disorder that was in him yep. and see that he was fighting all of that. So it was not against me because although we, we clash like this my right. entire, our entire life, uh, but I know he had great love for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would go back to Ohio and be like, oh my God, your dad is bragging about you and you're doing this, this, and this. And he had articles and kept up with everything that's going on. But he never told yeah, me. It, yeah, when, when you see the, uh, the love or the pride a, a parent or a friend has, but they don't display the same thing to you, it right. messes with your head a little bit. It does. It does. And so that's when I began to really wrap my brain around, okay, th- this is a personality disorder. Uh, uh, not that I excuse the behavior, but I can better reconcile within myself. Well, especially as a professional, because I'm sure that you come across that. Yes, yes. Oh, they're, they're, they're the toughest, but most challenging. And that's not my specialty um, mm-hmm. in that. But I love just kind of dabbling with it when I can. Every- <laughs> well, at least you can maybe recognize, you know, that people are probably you, I don't know if you have, and I'm sure there's people that come to therapy thinking they're have anxiety or depression or this or that. And they really are some level of that scale of disassociative. Yeah. And so they don't recognize what it is. So we're you're you're treating something that that's not the main thing exactly exactly and so when you're doing all of that um it's quite rewarding when you help them recognize that even they may not fully understand it i had um one client even with just identify this is why i love the field um a young um hispanic male um who had so much trauma and PTSD and from gangs of being in inner city, um, his family, his parents split and, you know, his father was a minister and, but yet beat him and dropped him off in the middle of gang territory and told him to find his way home and going to school every day and having to run because he was going into different gang territories uh-huh. and all that. He just came and says, I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I have anger and I can't control. I don't we finally diagnosed and said, you're not crazy. You have PTSD. And he yeah. just wept. Yeah. What a relief. Yes. I'm not crazy. I'm like, no, you're, <laughs> that's the last thing you are. Now, some of the people around you are a little crazy. But <laughs> you're not crazy. Yeah. Right, right. And that was my best clinical diagnosis too, but... <laughs> Uh, there, um, just to help people to normalize the confusion, the crap that they go through in their life, and to make sense of it, um, um, it's just such a uh, an awesome feeling to know that you've made an impact in the right direction of someone helping to turn their lives around and to live out the life that they've always dreamt about. Yeah. That's you had I, to do that for yourself, right? You said you're a father of three. So how old are your kids? Um, I have a 29-year-old daughter, and she was, uh, is a school teacher. Uh-huh. And uh, she likes little ones and three-year-olds, I mean, and third graders. And, uh-huh. and she got a basketball scholarship, and she went to school down at Tuskegee in Alabama. Awesome. Um, I have a recently turned 22-year-old son who is still finding himself, but playing basketball as well for his college. Okay. And a, uh, do not judge me, <clears throat> four-year-old daughter. Okay. Uh, no judgment. This is a judgment-free zone. Oh, I know. I'm just, uh, but but she was um, actually my, um, she's my adoptive daughter. My uh-huh. cousin, her mother was an addict, unfortunately, and um, 
died in the birthing process and oh. me in social services and all these other things. I'm just going, what are so you So she saying? lived with you? She's come home with me from the time she was born. Wow. So yeah. you're, you're dad all over again. I am dad all over again. And I'm like, God, what are you doing to me? I mean, I have a 32-year-old son and they, they're not planning to have children. But, um, oh, my gosh, I have a lot of friends who've taken in their grandkids or whatever. And, like, I'm 57. I mean, selfishly, I don't want another. I love kids, but, oh, I can't even imagine well, Deb, I'm raising 50. a child. Yes, oh, so more power to you. I'll pray for you. <laughs> ah! So she was just in my bed tonight. And I'm like, oh, God, what are you doing? Get out. And she's yeah. so bad. And I had a, a toe here and a head here. Yeah, that's like my chihuahuas. Yeah. <laughs> right. Except my chihuahuas growl at me if I move. It's like my bed. But... You're like, hey. So, that's awesome. So well, let me ask you a question. Yes, I, I get, uh, obviously, what you do, you know, a therapist and, and all of that and, you know, marriage and family, right? And, you know, you've got that uh -huh. background. What, tell me a little bit, what brought you from, uh, I'm assuming a married man, mm -hmm. um, which is an assumption, um, uh, you know, with a couple of grown kids and everything now into an openly uh gay man and what did that process look like and you said you've been a therapist for 12 years so what were you kind of doing in between that time well, question sorry <laughs> <laughs> what i was doing in that time um was this i was i was a youth director for my previous church okay and we had some difference of opinions about just life in general and how to treat um, LGBTQ. And so I went from there and um, reinvented my um, life as a therapist. Okay. Uh, in regards. So with that. Was that an affirming church? No. Non-affirming church. So you were, were you a closeted gay man in an affirming church? Um, at the time, yes. Well, I mean, your story is like many others in that regard. So if everybody came out, the church would lose their choir directors. We all know that. <laughs> uh, in that regards, probably yes. Yeah. Um, but um, from there, just had to reconcile within myself yeah. and God in the process um, and, and love my children, love everything that I do, um, with them. And, awesome. uh, yeah, yeah. So with that, just rediscovered what I wanted to do and be in life and just, I'm, I'm Marty, nothing yeah, changed. Right. So you, uh, you went into therapy and ministry wise, when you left the affirming church, what did you do? Did you start your own church or? No. Find a find a church or a, a network yes. of people or yes, yes. And, and that's how I had met um a mentor of mine, uh Pastor Sean. And Pastor Sean, okay. Yes, yes, and he's been absolutely amazing and just really um served really as my um instant pastor. Oversight, yeah. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. covering. Yeah. Yes, and just really helped birth me into um, being who I am um, with that. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I like to put on the band. I'm just Marty first and I'm a Christian and um, who I am is who I am um, because we have to learn to love each other for who we are Yeah, in that regards. And we have to look at the different um, things in life 
um, as we are um, living our own lives and are we being authentic to um, our faith and authentic to who we are? Yeah, and I think that sometimes the world makes it, uh, especially for GLBT people, but definitely not just GLBT people in general, the yes. church, and when I say the church, I mean the church as a whole, the, you, the, the Americanized church, was, mm -hmm. I'm sure other churches do it, but mm -hmm. they make it very hard to be your authentic self and to be accepted into the fold. Very hard, because yeah. uh, I have another podcast called Spiritual Homosexuality that's in my episode okay. list, and it's with a, a, a guy called Truth Seeker who's a Christian, but he's also into a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, and he can have conversations with anybody Right. And our conversation wasn't about homosexuality at all. It it was just about the church. And I've said it even when my wife and I were pastoring in Seattle area. I said mm -hmm. it. I've said it for years, like prophetically. I'm like, there is a whole subset of people who are not going to step foot in a church. Gay, right. straight, black, okay. white, young, yeah. old. And they will not because the church is not authentic. And mm -hmm. they're looking for authenticity. And they're looking for... Uh, everybody's looking for power and I don't mean power. Like, you know, I'm the president. I mean like right. supernatural power. We're supernatural beings. We're, we're drawn to the right. supernatural, right. you know? And I says, if they can't find it in the church or real healing or real, whatever, they're going to find it somewhere else. And so we were talking about how, you know, it's like you've ever been to the store and you see an end cap, right? Mm -hmm. You go to the store and there's pillows at the end of the aisle and they're on sale. And the end cap is to get you to buy other stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, mm -hmm. I got the pillow. Now I need the sheets. And now I right, need the this. Right. And now I need the that. And that's how marketing works in a store. Right. And, right. and the church is like that sometimes. Come as you are. We love you all. Um, and I'm not talking just about gay people. And then you walk in there. And no, it's like, okay, great, great, great. Here's this pillow for you. Here's this love. Oh, wait a minute. You don't you don't tithe 10%. Oh, wait a minute. You, you didn't read your Bible an hour every day. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. You don't pray in tongues. Wait a minute. You do pray mm -hmm. in tongues. I mean, it can go wherever. And all right. of a sudden it's like this insidious thing of, well, you're, you're kind of here, but you're on the outskirts unless you come into our brand, right? You come into our brand and our beliefs. And so I titled the um, episode spiritual homosexuality. Cause it was kind of like, unless you're just like me, Mm -hmm. you're never really in the in group right and, and out of that on the question at the end he asked me how i reconciled my faith with my sexuality and that's where the 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 series that i've been doing on the can you pray gay away came out because i realized that's a much longer conversation than a five minute almost definitely on and a podcast so you came out of that and you went in so did you go back to school to to be a therapist or take some yes patients or okay yeah, no, went back and got my master's and all that after having a master's in theology okay. uh, with that as well and did that. But, you know, Debbie, you, you pointed out something interesting that I thought was quite, we, we uh, this pandemic, if nothing else, ha is going to cause us to reexamine how we, and I'll say it like you said, in cap or package faith, mm -hmm. Christendom um, in, in that regards, because what we've seen out of this are acts of love that transcend anything else. Is that not the first universal law? Yes. Yes. That transcend anything else. And we don't have a, a heaven or hell to send anyone to. And we don't have um, 
you know, the final say comes from, from God in everything. He's and, way more merciful than you and me. Yes, yes. And, and Thank God. God. Thank oh, you, Lord. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. We all are. And, and we have to also um, reconcile of how we um, judge others um, in, in that regards. And, 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 and there's not a big sin, little sin. He says, I see everything as uh, a sin is sin. We, he doesn't categorize anything. And we have to look at how we um, hold others to a judgment that we cannot sustain ourselves um, in that. So I've, I'm, I'm learning how to love um, unconditionally. Do I struggle with it? Heck yes. Um, even in that when I'm in, in session one, okay, no judgment, no judgment. That's new. Okay, why am I feeling this way? Because I don't quite understand it. So let me get a better understanding and let's yeah. read together and have a conversation so I can see where it might all come from and where it has stemmed from um, in that regard. As yeah. well. Hey, Authentic Family. Thanks for listening. We had a little bit of technical difficulty and we lost the second half of the interview, but I figured talking about love and unconditional love was a good place to stop. Uh, you know, the world needs, especially now in the middle of COVID-19, we really need to love each other and look inward with God, with ourselves, for ourselves, and just learn how to love other people. I feel a series coming on about unconditional love and what that means. But for now, thanks for listening and tune in again to the Authentic Dev podcast. You can support my work over at uh at Patreon, Authentic Dev, and also check out my new YouTube channel. Like and subscribe, share the podcast. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast or have somebody you think would be great, then uh, shoot me an email. Just head on over to AuthenticDev.com, click contact, and you can request to be on the interview or shoot me an email and let me know if you have uh, somebody you think would be great. Until then, remember to be you because being you is enough. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Authentic Deb podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and connect with me at AuthenticDeb.com. There you can book a session with me and request to be a guest on the show. So until next time, this is Authentic Deb signing out. And remember, be you because being you is enough.